We're in a series going through Psalms 23, and I'm really excited for today. We've been going verse, verse by verse, walking through these ideas of, of what it means um, to follow, really to follow Christ, but in the middle of situations where we find ourselves. And so Psalms 23 is a great psalm. It's very popular. Music for funerals, we say, you know, but it's, it's about life. Here's, here's what Psalms 23 is about. It's really, it really was written for, from a season of anxiety and unknown. And so for us in these seasons that we find ourselves in, during COVID and just any time that we walk through difficult seasons, this psalm is to encourage us, right? Really to give us strength in the middle of struggle. So our whole point for Psalm 23 is to say, hey, I want to help you have some strength even in the middle of struggle, in the middle of challenges that you find yourself. That's what Psalm is written about. So David knows a few things about struggle. He knows a few things about challenges that life goes our, throws our way. And he says, in the middle of that, let me encourage you and help you. And so last week we covered verse 4, which is the central verse central verse of the whole psalm. And he said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you're with me, right? Now this is what we said. We said that, um, um, that the safest place is not always the comfortable place. It's where God is leading. It's where we follow God and where God is. That's the safest place. And so last week, if you missed that and you're going through a dark season, that's a great message to go look, look at. Because we said in the dark valley is where God grows us and matures us. Because hardship can always lead to growth and maturity if we allow it. And so uh, we, we talked through that. And really the key word we said through, if you're going through something, don't stop, don't camp out. Keep letting God lead you through it, all right? And so today we're going to go to the next verse, and I'm excited about it. But let's read Psalm 23 together to get a context of what, what's going on, and then we'll jump into verse 5. So read with me, all right? The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So Psalm 23, six short verses, speak so much to us about life and about how we can have strength in the middle of struggle. All right, that's the point of this. And so today, um, I'm, I'll show you a picture of a sheep. They're pretty cute animals, but they're pretty dumb. And last week, I didn't realize this. Um, I, I didn't mention it, but when, when, when he's talking about going through a dark valley, sheep have horrible eyesight. All right? So if you have good eyesight in the night, you can imagine how it would be in the dark. Right? So... Good eyes, bad eyesight in the day is horrible eyesight at night, right? Kind of how it works. And so these guys, you can imagine at night when they're when they can't see very good, how they'd be very fearful of the unknown if they don't if, if the shepherd's not close by. And just the fact having the shepherd close by brings them some comfort and security, saying, "I'm not going to get eaten tonight." That's a good thing, right? And so when you're going through a dark valley, if we think of the, the, the comparison of sheep and us, you know, we can be dumb creatures sometimes, make really dumb, foolish decisions. That's what he's saying. He's saying sometimes we are like sheep. We messed up. We go the wrong direction. And he's making this comparison about God's a good shepherd and we're sheep. And if we'll trust him, he'll take care of us. And so last week he said, make sure you go through. You don't stop. You don't camp out. Go through the process. God's going to lead you to the next stage, which we'll talk about today. Um, so, uh, talking about sheep, you know, um, I heard a story. And, uh, um, my wife is going to be a little upset with me because um, there's this lady. Amy likes to like blonde jokes. Yeah? All right. Some people do. If you're blonde, I'm sorry. We love you. You're great. Okay. It's just it's going to go with my it's going to go with my message. You got to just entertain me a little bit. All right. So there's a lady. She got tired of blonde jokes. She's like, that's it. I hate that I always tell blonde jokes. We're really smart people. Yes, you are. Okay. 
Um, but in this story, this lady, she says, I'm going to dye my hair. So she dyes her hair brown. And she goes on a journey into the countryside. As she's driving through, she sees this, all these sheep on, the med- on this little meadow, and she sees a shepherd. She's like, I've always wanted to go. Like, I love sheep. They're so cute, these cute animals. So she goes and talks to the shepherd and says, hey, um, if I can guess how many sheep you have here, will you, can I take one home? And he's like, she's never going to guess that, right? So he's like, sure. If you can guess the right number, you can take one home. So she says, 352. He says, what? How did you know that? She's like, I just guess. Yeah, they look like 352, so pretty smart woman, right? So she guesses. And uh, he says, all right, well, I, I'm a man of my word, so go ahead and pick whatever sheep you want. She looks at the flock, and she finds this. This is the one. This is the cutest the cutest one. And so then he says, well, if I can guess your original hair color, can I have my sheepdog back? Oh. <laughs> that, that's a good one, all right? Do you get it? Sheepdog, not a sheep, so he realized he really wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was great. I read that. And it was good. Hey, if you're blonde and double whammy, if you're a woman, I'm not dissing you. I love you, all right? My wife's a woman. I have three daughters. <laughs> Just get us kind of flowing, get ready for today's message, all right? Just a little humor to get us moving. So sheep can be really cute, but they can be really dumb, and they don't have good eyesight, which we find out. And they're not very ferocious. They can't, they don't have nails or claws. I guess the little hooves and could do something, some damage, but not much. They're just defenseless animals, right? And so in this comparison, David is saying, let me, let me help you see something in life that you're not seeing, all right? And so throughout the different verses of, of Psalm, he's pointing out these attributes of God, God's name. So we've seen so far through these verses we've read that God is, and he gives these names, Old Testament names, right? God is our shepherd, popular name for God. God is our provider, Jehovah Jireh, who we the provider. God is our peace, Jehovah Shalom. God is our healer, God is our righteousness. And last week he said God is present, Jehovah Shalom. My favorite name for God in the Old Testament. It means God is there. He's present with us. So in your darkness, he's there. In your future, he's there, right? He, in your past, he was there also. We just sometimes didn't recognize it. So he's there. And, and David is saying, hey guys, let me teach you something about the nature of God. He's a good shepherd. We're a dumb sheep, right? We, we can make poor decisions, but he's good, he's faithful. And so he invites us to, in this journey of saying, this is what it means to follow, follow God. And so David is writing from this perspective of, let me, let me do this comparison for you, right? So, so far we read through Psalm. Uh, there's some assumptions that we should just make pretty quickly up from it. The first one is this, right? So assumptions, seven assumptions that we see in Psalm 23 is, number one, the Lord is good. And he's and is a caring shepherd, provider, caring shepherd, you know, dash provider. Even as I am a needy sheep, so the first thing that jumps out to us is, man, we have needs. He's a, a shepherd that provides for us. Number two is this: that um, I have needs in my body, such as food and water. So we have physical needs, but not just that. Number three is my soul also has needs, such as restoration. So, so David is saying, hey, God is a good shepherd, but He doesn't just care for our physical needs. He also cares for our emotional, our, our, our soul, right? The different uh, parts on the inside of us, our thought life, um, our, our mental health, our emotional health, not just our physical health, our relational health. And he's saying, so he's going to take care of us, but he wants to give us restoration because throughout any given week or any given day, we, we start believing things that maybe aren't true. We, somebody tells us something that hurts our feelings, and our soul gets out of whack. Our emotions get out of whack. Well, as a good shepherd, he's trying to restore that. This is why Sundays are so important, because they're a reset. They're a restart for the day. And you have this rhythm of saying, all right, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to let God speak to me something so that I can go into this next week with a little bit of confidence and courage so I don't just believe the lies that or the hurtful things people said, right? So he's restoring our soul. Number four is this, right? Um, I live in a confusing world and need guidance. I live in a confusing world. This is pretty true about our world right now, right? 
So is it red or is it blue, right? Is it COVID or what, what's going on? It's, there's a lot of confusion that comes on. We need guidance. So we, some people say you should believe these people. Some people believe these people. God is saying, hey, in the confusing world, you don't know who to believe. Believe me. Let me help you on this journey. We've been there before. Others have gone through similar things. That was last week's message. I'm going to lead you and guide you. But the thing is this. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. All right? He assumes it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We're going to walk through it. And, uh, and like we said last week, it's not actually a bad thing because when we go through something difficult, it's usually for our own benefit, for our growth, if we'll allow God to work in our lives. Number six is this, that there, um, there will be times of need. There will be times I need comfort and protection. There will be times I need comfort and protection. And that's what the good shepherd is leading us to the dark valley. He's there to protect us. His rod protects us. His staff, it guides us, right? He's saying, I will, I'll, I'll need times where I need to be comforted and guided. And the seventh thing is this. I, I will not might have enemies. I will not might have enemies. In our lives, we're going to have enemies. Um, I'm a pretty friendly person, so I, have, I don't really see people as enemies. In fact, I just assume everybody likes me, and I have conversations with people like they're my friends, right? That's just my personality. And rarely will I encounter somebody or something will take place where I really understand that person does not like me. But it's okay, because the verse we're going to talk about is what happens when you do have enemies. You're going to have enemies. And we're talking about people, because we tend to confuse people with um, the enemy, like the enemy. We have, we have a major enemy called Satan that wants to destroy us, wants to kill us, right? He influences people who then become our enemies, but it's really they're just people, and they're making decisions, and all of us are people at times, and we can make poor decisions and hurt people's feelings or, or cause harm to others. So even in the middle of that, uh, David is saying, even when you have these enemies, so his day, right, the place that he lived, it was pretty brutal, and so there would be neighboring villages and, and tribes that if you're not careful, we'll come in and take all of your, uh, they would come and destroy your village and take all the all the goods that you have, right? The riches and wealth, the, the animals. And they plunder and they take it. And so he's saying, yeah, we have enemies, but in the middle of that, we're going to trust God to protect us and watch over us. So he says that um, that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, right? You prepare a feast for me uh, in the presence of my enemies. Now, the translation is a table. Now, the table analogy is, it's, it's a good analogy, but... People think like he switched from a shepherd's sheep to now like a, a guest and a host. He didn't. So a table doesn't necessarily, or a feast doesn't necessarily mean like a meal at a table, which is very appropriate in Scripture because in Revelation, Jesus says, I knock at the, the, heart, the door of your heart. If you, amen, open up, right? Um, I'll come and have a meal with you. That's like God's about relationship. He's about having meals at tables because that's where you have really good conversations and laughing and all that. So that's important. But for, for, for David, he was writing, a table doesn't necessarily mean a, a, a like what we think of as table, right? It means something spread out. So God is going to spread something out for us in the middle, even as our enemies watch on. Like he's going to take care of us. And going through the valley, the reason you don't want to stop in the valley is because if you stop in the valley, if you get off course, if you let the valley keep you from going to the next place, you could actually miss the table that he has for you that he's preparing. So a table would be like a, like a mess. It would be like a, uh, in, in, as you go through these valleys into these different mountain places, it'd be a, a really nice lush field that would be spread out so that the sheep would eat before they went to sleep and went back to their fold, right? And so he says, he prepares a table for me, even when the enemies are watching on, he's saying, if you'll make it through the valley, there's going to be something really good on the other side if you'll just trust him and let him lead you to it. Too many people miss the table and miss the, 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 the open space that's spread out to them, the, the amazing things that God has because they give up in the valley or they get stuck in the valley. Or they question God and they just, they just throw their hands in the air and say, that's it, I'm done. He's saying, no, let me lead you through because there's something that's going to be good. And when he says you prepare a feast, the next name of God that he's talking about is Jehovah Nisi, which means God my banner or God my defender. 
right? So he, their day, when they'd go into to, to battle, they would take their banners that represented who they were. But he's saying, you don't know who our banner is, who's our covering? Who, who we represent is God. And so when they go into battle, they have this idea that God is my defender, that no matter what I face, God's going to help me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to watch out because God is our defender. And if you know anything about God, he's a champion, right? He's, 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 he's great at whatever he does, and he conquers, and he wins. Um, it's kind of like, um, I guess you could say it like this. When it comes to enemies and preparing a table in the presence, the Lord doesn't always remove the dangers from our lives, but he does help us overcome them and not, so we're not paralyzed by fear. Here's the key right here in the season we're in, right? The media, the politics, they want to drive everything with fear. They don't want you to be afraid to die. They don't want you to be afraid of what's going to happen, if, you know, what, whatever, whoever's going to be in charge. There's going to be a lot of fear. And so they use this tactic to try to get us paralyzed by fear that we don't know what to do. Well, what we have to understand, God doesn't take away all the dangers. He doesn't remove all the hardships in our life because he knows those are good for us. They actually grow us. Um, and, but in the middle of it, what he does is he helps us not to be overcome by them. And that's the point of today's message. I want to help you guys understand that when you face something difficult, God doesn't want us to be overcome by whatever we face. He wants to give us tools to be able to be, um, what Paul says, more than a conqueror. Like, we're more than overcomers, right? In fact, let me read it. So Paul got it. David got it. Paul got it. Jesus got it. They understood their relationship with God and who he was. Paul wrote it like this. He says, what then? So in Romans 8, he's talking about the different challenges we face in life. And Paul says, okay, so then what, what then shall we say in response to these things, these difficulties? If God is for us, who can be against us? So he's making a statement saying, all right, guys, we're going to face things, but if God is for us, who can stop us? If God's asking us to do something, who's going to be able to keep us from doing that? And he goes on and he says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He's saying, all right, so God, he gave us the most, his most prized possession, his son, on our behalf as a sacrifice, right? So why would he hold back any other good thing? If he already gave you the best thing, all the other things he gives you are not the best. There are other things. They're good things. So why would he be gracious to give us all other things as well? So Paul's talking about a relationship with God, what we believe about God. David is saying, hey, you know what I believe about God. God is our shepherd. He's a, he's a provider. He's our defender. He's saying God is a good God. And Paul's saying the same thing. He's going to be gracious with us. He says, who will bring, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. He's saying, our enemies, people in this world, they don't have the final word. COVID doesn't have the final word. God does. He's the one that brings justice. He's the one that, who then can separate us, right? So who then, uh, who, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. So Paul's saying, all right, so Jesus is a incredible thing. He gave his life. He lived like us. He can experience our emotions. He can experience our struggles. And the fact that he knows that, now he's in God's presence, interceding. And he's standing in the gap. So, like, God is, like, probably thinking, like, man, those sheep are really dumb. I think I just want to sacrifice them so they can be done with, right? And Jesus gets in the middle and says, no, no, Dad, you don't understand. That's really, really difficult. Like, I experienced that. It was hard. I remember my friend died and I cried. It was very, very difficult. God, give him some grace. And Jesus is actually praying for us and interceding for us at this moment to be able to help us to overcome. So God is saying, he's giving thank God, give him grace, help him on this journey, right? And he goes on and says this, Who shall then separate us from the love of Christ? I love this. So trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And Paul is probably thinking like, what else can I add to this list? This like covers everything, right? Everything we'd be afraid of, he's saying, 
What can separate us from God's love? Right? What, what, what's going to separate us from the love of Christ? That's the key word. It's God's love. He cares for us. As his sons, as his daughters. Right? He's saying, what, what, the hardships we faced in his day, right? there would have been persecution. There have been Christians that were dying because they were Christians. And they were going through difficulties. Say, is even now things going to separate us? No. Nothing is. You can add COVID. You can add either of the political parties, right? Are any of those going to be able to separate us from God's love? No. Nothing is. And he goes on and says, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day, all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he references the Psalms, talking about sheep, right? One of those references to us being like sheep. He's saying, we're facing difficulties, just like sheep that are being slaughtered. But even then, no, in all these things, we are, say this, more than conquerors. More than conquerors. So we're not just conquerors. We're more than a conqueror. We don't just win the battle. We have all of the all the spoils and the fun that comes after it. We don't just win. We actually come out better and farther ahead because we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul's saying, if y'all know what it looks like to follow Christ, more than conquerors. It's, it's an overcoming life. It's a life that we have more than what we need and God takes care of us and he leads us. He, he ends like this saying, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, any of our enemies that we face, right? Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, none of those things, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a lot of lists he compiled there of things that we would face on a daily basis. Remember, fear is the thing that the enemy tries to use to keep us paralyzed. Paul's trying to do the opposite, to encourage us and say, hey, COVID, what does COVID have on us? Nothing. If you're a Jesus follower, you win either way. So if COVID takes your life, we don't want that, you inherit heaven. You get eternal life. You get whatever God has. And if it's not your time, COVID's not going to take you out because COVID doesn't have a final say, right? That's what Paul's trying to tell us. It's not the it's not the, the, the policies or the leaders that are the Messiah. It is Christ that leads us in it. So whatever we believe about politics, whatever we believe about sickness, about, about death, he's saying none of those things can separate from God's love. There's nothing that we'll experience in this earth that can keep us from God's love. So David says, he prepares a table for us in the presence of enemies. He's saying, we are more than conquerors. If you're following Christ, you're more than a conqueror. If you're allowing him to lead your life, you're more than a conqueror. He has so much good plans for our life. He can say it like this, God is with us, right? God is for us, then who can be against us? So if God is with us, and God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, and he is with you, who then can stop you? That's what Paul's saying. That's what David is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, let me, have, let me help you get a bigger picture for this life. It's not just the moment. It's eternity. It's not just the difficulty. It's not just the shadow or the valley of the shallow death. There's a table waiting for you. And beyond that, there's even a greater table waiting after life, waiting for you if you'll say yes to the things he asks us. So when he's saying he prepares a table, here's, here's, here's what Jesus said in, in John 10. He says, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. They don't listen to a stranger, but they listen to my voice. Well, one of the strategies the enemy does is he tries to get, him, get us to believe that he's, he's God. So he suddenly sneaks onto the table that God prepared for us, right? He pulls up a chair and starts talking as if it's God. And here's what the enemy does really subtly, right? So he doesn't come out and just say, hey, I'm Satan. I'm going to kill you, right? I'm going to take all the things you have. No, no. He comes in and says, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, what about this? It's Adam and Eve. He didn't just blatantly lie to them. He told a par- partial truth, which is still a lie. And there's enough truth in there that makes it sound right, but there's a subtle part that just makes it wrong. He said, did God really say that? You're not really going to die, right? He's talking about a physical death. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about a spiritual separation from him. 
which will lead to a physical death eventually. But the enemy does that. He tries to sneak on, and it sounds good. He even appeals to their goodness, right? Well, don't you want to be more like God? That's a good thing, right? And he appeals to their goodness to try to get them to do something that God has. He still does this to us today. It, it's kind of like um, if we're flying a plane from here to New York. Everyone goes with me on a plane to New York? So, is it? All right. Somebody's going on a trip. If we convince the pilot to get off one degree, right, from, from Santa Fe, by the time we get to the East Coast, we would not be in New York. We'd most likely be like in Washington, D.C. One degree. By the time you get that far, you'd be way off course. So every single day, the enemy's goal is not to get you off course in one try. I mean, if he could, he would love that. But it's just a subtle detail. Like he says, hey, just, just go this way. You know, that valley is pretty dark. Mm, there's light over there. That looks really nice. You should go that way. And he gets us to take one, one variation away. And if he does this over time, one variation over time eventually gets us way off course or instead of landing at the, the table they has prepared for us, the nice meadow, we are off in the thickets, and we're off in the, the, the different challenges that we face. And so Paul's saying, if God's for us, who, don't, get off, don't get off course. Don't let the enemy stop you. If God's for you, even the enemy can't. Here's another way that the enemy sneaks in is he tells us things like, you're never going to make it through. You're not good enough, right? You, you're, you're, so you're in a valley. God's not a good God. He's, you're going to suffer. You're going to die. And and he'll use the fear to try to get you paralyzed. You don't do anything. You just stay stuck. And you look for other ways to try to, to remedy that. You look and look for things to try to help you feel better. And he lies. Here, here's, here's when you know it's God. He said, hey, even in the middle of this, I'm still going to have to get through this. You're not stuck. I've designed you for a specific reason. Let me lead you in that. And the enemy subtly tries to keep us from hearing God's voice. What's interesting about sheep is... There's obvious enemies, right? Like the bear and the lion and the and the coyotes and all the little animals that want to eat them, right? And then maybe neighbors that want to come spill them and eat them. I guess that'd be a tasty meal, right? There's there's these little creatures that are really almost unseen that are actually just as dangerous as the big thing. So we tend to look for the big things in life, like yeah, that's good. Be careful that. Be careful that. We ignore sometimes the little subtle things that actually can destroy a whole herd. Um, it, it's, it's known as scab. Scab is, or mange is also another term they use. There's a little parasite, kind of like a flea. There's four major ones that, that get into sheep, kind of like between the, the, the wool and the skin. And they start, you know, burrowing and digging in, and it just makes the sheep crazy. Like, like you can imagine, right? You've got all these little things scratching you all the time. So, so it bothers them so much, they stop eating. They stop sleeping, right? And it's contagious. So now if one's infected, and it, it starts spreading to the herd, and in a very short period of time, it can kill the whole herd. And so these little parasites that are unseen, almost unseen to the, to the eye, you know, you really can't even find them and see them a lot of times, uh, they're doing damage when, when you don't realize it. I find it interesting that in our season we're in with COVID, it's an unseen enemy, right? You don't see it, but it can, it can be passed on, it can destroy. There's always a spiritual correlation to the physical. So COVID, the unseen enemy, sin, the unseen enemy for everybody's life. And I think when David is talking about the enemies, he's not just talking about the big, blatant enemies. He's also talking about those little, subtle things that we sometimes ignore, right? Just push away. It's just one of those things that, you know, it's not a big deal. It's my issue. It doesn't really affect anybody. No, that's one of those little bugs, right? Or flies. The flies will fly around the sheep, and they'll try to lay eggs in their nose, and if they do that, it gets them really irritated, and it just bugs them. There's little enemies that, that are trying to destroy the sheep's life, and, and they're, they're un- almost unseen, when I think of those, those bugs, it's kind of like the, the lies the enemy tells us, right? So for the longest time we started to grow, I'd get up on the stage and I'd be excited to speak. And the little bug that would start flying around my head was, nobody wants to listen to you. Why are you even doing this? 
Nobody cares what you have to say. And I'll start believing that, like, you're right, like, all these people that, you know, they came, they don't really, don't, they don't really care or whatever, and, and I would want to get off the stage as quick as I could. Like, let me just tear that stairs so they can get on the rest of their day. And at one point, God says, all right, Eric, um, all these people, they got up this morning, and they brushed their teeth, and they put some clothes on, right? And most of them put some nice clothes on, and they um, comb their hair. Just kidding. Don't be sensitive. You look very nice today. Even you and your pajamas online, all right? They got ready. They came. And I'm like, you're right. And yes, there's possibly somebody in the room that was forced to come, right? They didn't really want to come. They, they agreed to come. They're kind of like, I really don't care if this guy has to stay. But in that moment, I really, I really felt God said, yeah, but those are the ones who need to hear you the most. So don't let the intimidation of the enemy try to keep you from speaking because those ones probably need to hear it the most. The ones that came excited, they need to hear it too. But those that are, that are missing it don't even know, like they really need to hear it, right? And so those little bugs, they fly. And sometimes even when I get on stage, there'll be things, you know, you're not good enough. Why are you up there? You should have somebody else or somebody more qualified or somebody better. The lies that we hear, right? You probably hear these at work. You probably hear these on a, maybe a daily basis. You're not good enough. You know, you're not loved. You're, you're a mistake. You're a whatever. It's these little bugs that fly around. And if we allow them to, to land and we catch on to those, it's like mange. And, you know, that's why they the word mangy, right? Like these sheep become mangy. Because if you look at pictures, they look really gross. So they get so bugged, they start rubbing themselves on branches and on, on wire. And they're trying to get the bugs out, but it takes all their wool off. They just look gross. Like no, no longer cute animals. They're now really ugly animals. And it destroys them. And I think in life, sometimes in life, this happens to us. The lies of the enemy, the lies that other people have told, things that have spoken to us, it takes root in our lives and it becomes like that irritant that just doesn't let us sleep. You know, you, you read the studies about sleep, how sleep's important. If you're not sleeping enough, it can cause sickness and all this stuff. And then you read about how not sleeping can make you sick, and then you start worrying about the fact that you're not sleeping. So then it's like a cycle that you just stay up like worrying about not sleeping because you're not sleeping because you can get sick, right? It's these little bugs that just irritate. And one of the things that he uses is the lies and the fear to try to keep us stuck. So when David is saying, you prepare a table for me, you're not just saying these major enemies, he's also saying the unseen. Saying these things that you can't even notice. He's, and he goes on and, say, and he gives us some, some insight. He says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup, it overflows with blessings. So back in the day, one of the ways they would deal with these parasites and these, these, these fleas is they would actually dip the sheep in oil. Because the, 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 the little bugs wouldn't stay on, they wouldn't be able to stay there, right? And they would die and they would, they would go. They can help the sheep actually stay healthy by deep, being dipped in oil. Or if they had bugs in their head, you know, you put a little bit of oil on, on, on some of the sheep that have the horns or in their, around their nose and their head. It actually keeps those bugs from bugging them. So now that you have oil on your head and you're maybe dipped in, in oil because you have, have the, the, the irritants, you can now sleep in peace, right? So he's saying you don't want to have with oil. There's a couple references. One, whenever there's somebody anointed in their head with oil, it's because God had a job for them to do, like a king, right? They would anoint him and say, here's, the, here's what God is do, calling you to do. Here's the anointing you're, you're calling to be able to do this. So in your life, when God anoints your head with oil, essentially he's saying, you have a job to do. You have a unique call. There are people that you could actually have an impact in this world if you'll let me lead you because there's something special about your life. So in this room, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that will be impacted, that not by me, but by you, because I don't know those people. And if you would be willing to say, God, help me to be aware of those things that I can do with my life to make a difference, you can make a difference. So I'm trying to do my best with the, the, the influence he's given me. You need to do your best with the influence he's given you. Here's the thing. He anoints you with oil to accomplish those things. 
What does the enemy do? The enemy wants to keep you away from the shepherd, one, right? So that you have fear that you're going the wrong direction. And, and so you can be bugged with all these things all the time. He's saying, but if you stay close to God, he'll anoint you out of oil. And then your cup's going to overflow with blessing. I'm a pretty positive person. So if somebody says, is the cup half full or half empty? I'm like, my cup is overflowing, right? It's always, it's always full, but it's overflowing. This is the kind of life I want to live. It doesn't mean I have everything I want. In fact, there's a lot of things I don't have that, that I really want. But I have to believe that God's a good shepherd, and he's going to give me the things I need. And, and if I don't have it, there's a few things. One, it's not the right time. Two, I haven't managed well enough whatever I do have that I wouldn't manage that well either, and it would only hurt me. Or three, it's just a bad thing for me, right? So I have to believe, if, my, if I have it, that God's blessing, he, it's overflowing. And my life is, I, I believe like that. I have what I need because God is, is blessing me. It's the, it's the whole reason we have the faith in, in the first place is because Adam, not Adam, um, Abraham, God came and showed up to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want to take you on this journey, right? I'm the good shepherd. Let me lead you. Go to this far off land. I'm going to help you to, to, to make a difference in your life. Which had been foreign to Abraham. You don't do that in his day. You don't just travel into unknown territory because you'd be killed and everything you own would be taken away. It just was dangerous. But God says, just trust me. We're going to go through some dark valleys, but I'm going to lead you to the place I have for you. And, by the, by the way, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. And all of these promises were told to Abraham before he had any kids, before he was able to do anything big with his life. It was kind of like far in the distance. But God was true to his word. He blessed Abraham. And he says, because you're going to be blessed, the whole world will be blessed through you. God is still looking for Abrahams today. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. And so he's saying is. If the blessing is not just for ourselves. It can't stop with us. It has to continue on and we bless others. And so God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. When I think of sheep, and I think of Psalm 23, and I think of life, uh, there's a great, great quote from um, a pastor named Charles Swindoll. He says this. Charles Swindoll says, The difference between something good and something great is attention to detail. The difference between something good and something great is the attention to detail. Too many of us settle for good when we could have great, but we ignore the details. We tend to look for the big things, and so a lot of times it's the little things. You ever gone to a great restaurant that had a really good plate, like uh, just an incredible steak, and probably a very little size, and you look at that plate, the presentation was amazing, right? The details that went in it with the flavors and what was paired with it and all that, it's just amazing. You go to a cheap restaurant, you know, for a similar kind of a meal, it's just not the same. Why? There's a lot of details in this one, there's not a lot in that. They, you pay for it, obviously, right? But great comes with a lot of details in our lives, in our marriages, in the workplace. A lot of times we don't have great because we're settling for good because we want to ignore the details. I think God's looking at the details. So when, when he would take them to the, 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 the meadow to try to eat before sleep, they would then go to, the, um, to, to go sleep in, in, their, in their, their pen. Um, the, the, the shepherd would, would have them pass under the, the rod, right, to make sure he examined them, make sure there's no bugs and they're not going to spread it to the rest of the herd and kill them. He's, he's, he's looking for the details. Like, what's going on with this specific sheep? What, what is bothering this specific sheep? Why is it so irritated? Why is it scratching? Like, what's going on? Why is it so fearful? Why does it keep wandering off? Right? And he's trying to say, he's going to pay attention to the individual, individual sheep. Throughout scripture, if you read the name, you know, like this person had this person and he was married to this person and then this lady had this baby and then this baby did this. It's like name after name. You're like, man, there's so many names. Why there's so many names? Because God is always about the individual. And if the book, if books are still being written, your name's in it. He's writing your story because you matter to God. The individual matters to God. And he wants to say, it's the details. 
So our job is to say, God, what, what do you want to do? But Jesus says like this in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that may have life and have it to the full. Maybe we want a full life? That's like the abundant life. That's the more and uh, the overcoming life. That's, that's where you have, you live in the zone of like, man, this is better than I thought. Not because we have everything, but because God is with us. So Jesus said, I've come, so you may have to live life to the full. Then he goes on and says this, I am the good shepherd. Right after that, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So read John 10, 10. I encourage you this week, read it. He does the comparison of, of sheep and shepherd, and how the sheep are listening for his voice and what he's accomplishing. He's saying this, he cares for us so much, he's willing to lay his life down for us. He loves you so much, he's laid his life down to protect us, to give us a better life, to have eternal life, not just to settle for the good, but to have the great. But where does great come from? It's the details. I heard a story about this uh, coach, uh, Dale uh, Brailsford. He took over a cycling um, team um, in in London, in, in Great Britain. And uh, they, they previously didn't win any races. I love cycling, right? We're, we're about to do our 500. And so this story really intrigued me because uh, this coach, he's taking over this team that really was, was uh, kind of mediocre. In fact, what's interesting about this team, they were so bad, there was a bike company. They wanted to buy your bikes from them, and the company says, no, you'll tarnish our reputation because you guys are no good. And they didn't sell to them. And then this coach came on, and, and he heard this idea of, um, um, of marginal gains, right? And so the aggregation of marginal gains. And essentially the idea was this. If we'll focus on, on small details at a time, eventually we will, we will change the trajectory of our team. He said, we're looking for 1% changes. So they just said, what pillows are the best for our riders to sleep on? They brought in a surgeon and said, hey, teach our riders how to wash their hands correctly so that there's less sickness on our team. Come and teach us about hygiene, right? Let, let's look at the mattresses they sleep on. Let's look at the bikes they're riding. Let's look at the tires. Uh, they changed the, the, the outfits they wore. Instead of wearing outdoor outfits, they wore indoor outfits, which seemed to be faster and better. It was just these small changes. Well, within just a few short years, they went from being one of the worst teams to the best team. And they began to win and win and win. And the whole idea was this. If you'll continue to work on those details, eventually, you don't see it right away, right? Because we, we tend to think, like, our life should be like this. Well, with the, uh, the aggregation of marginal gains, it almost you don't even notice it. Just 1% change is not a whole lot, not a whole lot. But if you don't give up, all of a sudden what happens is it shoots up like this, and all of a sudden you have this, you have great. All of a sudden you went from average to great because of these details. In our lives, well, here's, here's the flip side of it. There's the negative part to this, because if you ignore, right, so if you're already average and you ignore the details in your life, you're going to decrease and decrease until there's a point where you're really just at zero. There's not, you're not accomplishing a lot. You're just kind of going for the ride. And, and I think what God is calling us to do is say, let's be the people of details. Let's allow God to work in our lives. So my, my challenge for us today is this, all right? When you learn to surrender, and then just breathe, right? So if you surrender to what, what, what's going on in your life, and you learn to breathe, God's going to begin to point out the details. So allow God to be the God of the details in your life, right? Be, be the person that says, all right, God, you speak to me the things I need to know. And this, here's how he speaks to you. On a Sunday morning like this, right? This is one of the ways. Somebody gets up and speaks something that hopefully challenged you, hopefully inspired you, or just encouraged you to do something. Maybe that's one of the, one of the details he points out in your life. Like, I said something on marriage, you're like, oh, you're right, I should work on that. I said something about work, and you're like, oh, you're right, I should try to work on that. Maybe that's the thing he's pointing out for when you read scripture, you read the Bible. It's why daily Bible study and prayers are important, because when you begin to read scripture, there's going to be things that he speaks to you, like Psalm 23. Who would have thought there was so much in Psalm 23? And can I tell you, I'm really 
scratching the surface. Like, you want to go deep? There's some great books out there. There's, there's a, one book, I, I can't remember his name right now, but he was a shepherd for years and became a pastor. And so he wanted to teach people about what Psalms 23 was really about as a shepherd's perspective. Write a whole book on it. You want to go deep? You can go learn more about it. And so these, as you read scripture, there's going to be these things that God points out and says, you need to work on that. Your attitude, it really stinks. Man, you're rude to people, right? That's not how it works. In fact, Jesus, what do you say? He says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So when you have enemies, don't just treat them the way they treat you. Love them. Pray for them. And sometimes that's a detail God points out in your life. Like, you will begin to change and shift the way you think. I'll lead you to a better pasture. I'll help you get through the dark, dark time. And he invites us on this journey. He's saying, just let me be the God of the details in your life. You're going through this. Let me point out what you're missing. Like I said last week, we ask God to get us out of difficult situations. He's saying He wants to get us. He wants to get something. Get up, have us get something out of it, right? He doesn't want to remove us. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. And the way we do that is saying, God, I don't understand. I surrender. You know, when we worship, that's part of why we lift our hands. It's this this, this um, posture of saying, I, I'm not in control, right? If a police officer says, you put your hands in the air, why? Because they want to know that you're not in control. You're not going to do anything rash or dumb. If you're a little baby and you want your parents to hold you, you put your hands up like, hold me, right? Like, I surrender to your hold. We're saying, God, I just surrender. Like a sheep. We're saying, God, you know the parasites and the things that are clouding my mind. The lies the enemy's been telling me. What's true? What's not true? What do you have to say about this? And I promise, if we become the people that say, God, you speak your truth, so I can believe your truth, our lives will begin to improve and we'll get better. Why? Because it's the details. It's the small things. When we wake up and we're thinking about it. When we go to bed and we're thinking about it. And he'll point out those things if we'll allow him. But then it's not just pointed out, it's now let's do something about it. And a lot of times what happens is we say, God, work in my life, you know, help me get better. And he points something out and we ignore it. And they're like, God, help me get better. I mean, you know, do something really big. He's like, why would I do anything big when you haven't done anything with the small? Do that thing, and then I'll give you the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And too many of us are waiting for God to move, and the whole time he's waiting for us to move. He might say something like, you know, during this season of difficulty, you're trying to medicate your life with these things, shopping, or eating, or alcohol, or drugs. And maybe the detail is, don't put your escape in that. Put it in something healthy. Let me help you on this journey. And like a good shepherd, he knows what we need. So he points it out to us, not to condemn us, not to hurt us, but to say, hey, let me deal with this little parasite in your life. Let's get rid of that so it doesn't spread. Let's get rid of it so you don't have mange, right? People see you walking around like, ooh, what's wrong with that person? You allow the things in the world to overtake you. So my challenge is we should learn to surrender and then just breathe. This can be, you know, my watch, it tells me, like, um, breathe. I'm like, stop telling me to breathe. I am breathing. It senses something in my life is not right, right? Like, I'm not, I'm concentrating too hard or I'm not, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, hey, take a moment to breathe, right? We need that. We need, we need indicators like that on our phone sometimes. Like, hey, have you just breathed and asked God to take care of that situation? Surrender and just breathe and say, God, you, you know the enemies I have in my life. You know what the enemy's trying to do in my life. You know what's going on. Right now, I'm just going to say, God, I put it in your hands. My wife made this wonderful statement a while back. She said, you know what? I'm, laying, I'm sitting up at night worrying about all the things I have to do tomorrow, worrying about all the things I didn't get right. So I realized, you know, there's going to be somebody up all night. Might as well just give it to him. So she says, God, here, you worry about all that stuff. I'm going to go to sleep. 
She got in the habit of just saying, I can't change anything or do anything right now, so I'm going to just give to you, God. I surrender. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to rest. So a sheep that has gone through the process, right, from the beginning of Psalm 23 until where we're at now, this should be a, a sheep that's at peace. They've been satisfied, their needs, the water, with, with food. They're, they're, God is pointing out the details in their life that aren't good. They're taking away, he's taking away the lies and the parasites. He's protecting them from any kind of outside intruders. When they get to the fold, right, to their little house, you know how they're going to sleep? Like babies, well, like baby sheep or baby, whatever. They're going to sleep well because they have a shepherd who's now taking care of all their needs. If you'll go through the process saying, God, you're the shepherd, I'm following. Can I tell you you'll sleep better at night? You'll begin to release all those worries that you've been worried about so much because it's not even in your control anyways. Most of those things, we worry about too much things we can't control. God is saying, let's worry about the things you can control. Here's a detail you can't control. Let's do this. And every single week, one of these we try to do is point out one of these details, right? Do this thing this week. Do it on a consistent basis. Just watch and see that it's going to be an aggregation of marginal gains. Eventually, you're going to see improvement. Don't give up. After a week, after two weeks, after a month, after two weeks, just keep at it. Keep going. Maybe it's your finances. God points out something. Keep going. Just be faithful in what he's asking you to do. Maybe it's in your relationship. Maybe it's at work, physically or mentally. All right? Hey, let's uh, end with a prayer today. If, uh, do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head as we end our service? If you're in this room and I've talked about getting off track, maybe you recognize that you're off track. You know, you let the lies of the enemies, the little parasites, and the things that have, maybe some large enemies come in and lie with you and destroy your life. And today you say, you know what? I want to get back on track. I want God to be my shepherd. I want him to lead my life. Maybe you're watching online and that's your, where you're at. You find yourself in a situation where you're off track. Today, if that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Maybe your hands going up. Maybe else? Kind of off track. I want to trust you to believe me. If you're watching online, if you want to pray this prayer with us, a lot of people raise their hand today. If you're in this room, would you pray with us? And those that raise their hand aren't praying alone, we'll pray together with them. Say this prayer today. Say, Father God, today, I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. You know where you're going. You know where you want me to go. So today I say yes to you. Forgive me for getting off track. Forgive me for letting the lies of the enemy keep me from living the best life I could possibly live. Forgive me my sins. Today, I put my trust in you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross in my place as a good shepherd. Thank you, he's alive today, working on my behalf. I say yes to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate all those who prayed here and online. So good.